0: Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now, here's your host, Steve Schultz.
1: Well, happy Monday, July 31st, the last day of July already, uh, 2023. Uh, welcome to Elijah Streams. I am your host and co founder, along with my wife, of both the Elijah List, which is the written portion, and Elijah Streams. Anyway, welcome to the broadcast. It's going to be a great show with Johnny Ando. we we call it Johnny you know, Anlo unfiltered. it's going to be great as always. quick reminder that Nathan French will be with us tomorrow. Um, man the guy gets words of knowledge you know we had the Hastings on last week and great great reports. We'll have them on more times because it's, it went so well when we when we have these type on we want we like people to be listening for potential words of knowledge for them or things that fit them that they can hook their faith into so uh, that'll be great. So anyway, welcome to the show today. Um let's see, let's start real quick with a spot about the wells that you all are investing in. I'd like to keep you informed uh, about the great work you're doing, so here we go with that.
0: Over 7 million people in Uganda lack access to safe, clean water, but you are changing that statistic by providing access to clean water. But there is still a need. There are still many who don't have access to clean water. Would you continue to help bring clean water to the beautiful people of Uganda? Donate today online at ElijahStreams.com.
1: Amazing. And I'm watching Jaja sweep the dirt, um, which is the way, a, I don't know how what percentage, I think prob- probably most people in Uganda sweep the dirt. And it reminded me, I never thought about that until watching it. When we were kids, we had this place that we lived in and there was a, like a fort and a tree house, and for the fun of it the dirt that around it we would sweep the dirt because we that would make it look all clean and it was fun to do that that's all we knew to do to make this dirt fort thing clean that's the way they actually live she sweeps the dirt um we just have no idea and then they go um, searching in the dirt for for water that's running off of some mountain or, or creek that the animals also use and that's what they drink water out of most people in these villages so uh, you are changing their lives very, very big time. We appreciate it very much for you doing that kind of appreciates it. So, all right, let's bring in, I think that's, oh, we do have a, this happened. I want to um, tell you about uh, the next, this happened. This is a word by Kim Clement that he gave concerning the virus, virus that would be coming. He didn't call it that. He talked about a need for inoculation. When you have a virus, your, your, um, Inoculation is the same thing for uh, what do they call it? Oh man, I can't even think of the word. All of a sudden, uh, for for the shots that they're giving you now, that's an inoculation. So uh, that when he says the word inoculation, in case anybody doesn't know what that means, that's like the the word for the what is it called? Vaccine. thing. <laughs> My brain just went. they said say, "Okay, without further delay, let, I want to show you this word by Kim Clement and how and how a, a doctor." Uh, probably a phd i'm not sure but he did research and knew exactly where this uh, virus came from and it's amazing to hear the fulfillment of kim's words so uh, here we go watch the dates on these here we
0: go an inoculation against that which is being sent into this country but it is not being sent in from outside says the lord
2: it is already inside this nation your enemies are within says the lord in 2002 the university of north carolina chapel hill patented and i quote an infectious replication defective clone of coronavirus and that patent was filed in 2002 on work funded by NIAID's Anthony Fauci from
1: 1999 to 2002 and that work patented at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill mysteriously preceded SARS 1.0 by a year. Dave are you suggesting that SARS 1.0 wasn't from a wet market in Wuhan? Are you suggesting it might have come from a laboratory? in the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. No, I'm not suggesting it. I'm telling you that's the facts. And ironically, you know, he said that uh, that that uh, virus was patented in if you can even believe patenting a virus, they patented that in 2002. That word by Kim Clement was 2001. He said it's already here a year the next year, I don't know how many months passed. Till 2002, the right date, and they patented that virus, the SARS-1 or under SARS-2, I think you might have said so. Uh, that's where the prophets are seeing ahead of time, and when you know you're listening to a high-level prophet, and they give you a cur- a current word, you also need to know that that could be 15 years off, or it could be next week. You don't know. God doesn't reveal the timing, but that was, re- that was researched many years later and found to have happened months from the time Kim Clement prophesied it. So fascinating stuff. So, all right, time to bring in Johnny Enlow Unfiltered. Here we go.
0: 1349 hours, declaring it a riot.
2: My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children.
1: There he is, Johnny. I don't know. Did you see that clip we just played? Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
2: Well, that's um, another confirmation. I think it's um, very obvious, multiple bits of information. It's good to have that testimony coming out that, you know, some level of proof from that way. But, yes, Fauci's been working. If we understand what Fauci's been doing long term, the enemy has been inside for a long time. And there is a spearheading role he has had that is only begun to be uh, released and exposed. You know, used to, you couldn't say anything about Fauci a year or two years ago, or you were a conspiracy theorist. Now, if you don't know what Fauci has been up to, you are, uh, you know.
1: Got your head in the sand.
2: You've Got your head in the sand. <laughs>
1: so anyway, yeah. Amazing. Well, before we get, I've got some questions here for you. But before we get into that, um, do you have any thoughts uh, about, you know, there's supposedly a guy that's going to come on and blow the lid off of what the Biden crime family has done? I think it's supposed to happen today. I mean, do you have any thoughts about where we are in this scenario and what we're about to witness?
2: Well, we're, we're having wave after wave after wave after wave of proof, proof and truth. And that's really to connect it from uh, a week ago, our program is uh, the Mockingbird is going to be taken down, is being taken down. And that's the lying mechanism that's there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we keep looking for, is this the silver bullet that does it or the final, they you know sort of like when you're chopping a tree down, there's the one time you finally chop the tree and you hear the buckle and it's like, the whole thing comes down. It's hard to know. Um, on one hand, you're just like, well, much greater proof has been released already over the last couple of years. And the picture has gone around the whole world via the internet on Biden, uh, Hunter, uh, children and everything like there's the reams of evidence are so massive, you uh, there's a part of you could get in a negative posture toward and say, well, nothing else has done it. But there is an accumulative effect. And there is a cumulative effect of the people being awakened as well. And so this is part of it. And I don't have um, I don't have from the Lord or the Holy Spirit if this is any kind of definitive thing, Mm. but it's all headed towards a definitive thing. This is all headed towards the removal of the mafia from the seven mountains that he's promised and multiple other promises that he's made as it relates to our nation, the nations of the world, the deliverance that he's bringing in a mass way and. So. Yeah, and,
1: and this is a good point to re to remind people that what we've been saying, what especially you've been saying, uh, there was one program last year. I, it could have been earlier this year, where you said, "God will usually tell you what, and almost never tell you when." So that thing with Kim Clement, all the prophets, every prophetic word is in this same vein. You get what you get. And you know what hint God's given you or what codes God's given you, but he doesn't tell you when. Why would you say that as people would say, well, what good's a prophet then if he doesn't tell you when?
2: Well, that is one of the frustrating things at being a prophet and being prophetic, because that's the Lord's choice on that. And he clearly... doesn't mind it frustrating people. When,
1: <laughs> you have to laugh or you cry. Don't you care about my reputation? God, no. <laughs> it's, it's
2: literally why Jonah didn't yeah. want to go, pro- why he decides to go in the opposite direction. And the Lord has to, you know, have him raptured by a whale. Um, I say raptured, but, um, <laughs> That's good. Caught up in a whale. And so, you know, then he gets convinced. And, and so he, you know, he prophesies judgment on Nineveh because the Lord says it and then it doesn't happen because they repent and then he complains that's why I didn't want to come you always send me somewhere and say judgment and then they always repent and I keep looking like a false prophet and and honestly you don't know why there's a book called you know Jonah as book of the prophets because we don't have any prophecy that he's ever spoken that was fulfilled but Jesus himself calls him a prophet because his assignment was really. you know, the anointing will say that's on him was an unusual anointing to uh, release conviction. When he said something, there was something about the way Jonah communicated. We don't know. One day we'll know what the tone of his voice was. Yet perhaps in Nineveh it could have been this seaweed wrap. Well, you know,
1: and is there something humorous about it? Because a couple things he got right is he said, I knew you were going to do this. He got that right. And I think he got it right. Whether you call it a prophecy or not, it's something to chuckle at where he he got it right. Isn't he the one that said, throw me in the water and your ship will be okay."
2: Well, yeah, you could look at it that that was a prophetic word. You're right. That that was it wasn't brought out as a prophetic word, but that was a prophetic insight that he had. He's like, "Eh, I, (laughs) I understand what's going on. But there's clearly something that advances the processes of God and of his kingdom in our lives with not knowing all the details. And particularly the timing seems to be the biggest deal. And we find that. Whether you're looking at all the writings of Paul and Peter and really all the writers of, of the New Testament, they believed they were in the last days and they were probably sensing the judgment coming in 70 AD, but they would speak out of it all the way to Paul telling people, hey, if you're not married, stay single because of the day we're in. And and um, we could go into all the scriptures they had. And then we see that he says, even the son, that even among the Godhead, that the father somehow hasn't even revealed to the son yet, you know, his final coming um, and uh, tied into the marriage supper of the lamb. And so uh, secrecy and and trust is clearly uh, part of what he's all about. And you would think then therefore prophets would not be what he's about. But he's like, no, because I think even like the prophetic word from Kim, what he's expecting, the maturing for us, the body of Christ, is not to go can we count on that word happening in the immediate next three weeks, three months or or whatever is there will be a resonance in our spirit, a words given. And we're like, I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that away somewhere. I'm going to store that word because that had Holy spirit resonance on it. No matter, you know, it's a 201 word. You're like, what's the point of a 201 word for t- uh, 2023? Well, there is a point it's being played again here in 2023. Somebody had to have treasure, uh, treasured it. Apparently Donet treasured it enough to go look it up. And so there is there is value. When you value prophecy, then you know there's a timeless element to them. And so there may be, uh, you know, you have uh, it's happened for me. I give a prophetic word and it's happened in 24 hours. And then you give a prophetic word and it's years. And you're like, is it going to happen? And that's part of the challenge. And part of what's designed to keep a prophetic voice humble is... Yeah. You don't know when he's telling you to give that type of word, which type of word he's given. It doesn't, there's what you feel and how bold you feel and how clear you feel has, I can tell you, has nothing to do with how fast it's going, it's going to happen. And the things that have happened the fastest are the ones where I've thought, man, I don't know if I'm even hearing this right. And it would be a 24 hour thing. And then the one I'm like, this is this week for sure was not that week for sure. So it's just—I mean—that's
1: what makes the the life of a prophet so difficult, and very, very few should seek it out to because you want it because you get uh, pummeled by either Christians uh, or non-believer Christians or non-believing anyone else, and made fun of by the media. And at the same time, this is happening. God's saying, "I'm not really too worried about your reputation." And then you, it's a difficult life, isn't
2: it? It, it is. It's not. He really is not doing this for your reputation. And if, if you forget that or for your enjoyment, you just <laughs> go through the life of every single one of the Old Testament, or any New Testament, Old Testament prophet. There was you know, no one came into town and everybody wanted their autograph. They always had more enemies than friends and generally because there was more unrighteousness than righteousness in their circles. And so they were, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. I think they would have been more popular today because there's a better percentage of, we'll say, of the church and the body of Christ desirous to do the right thing, go the right way. And so it was harder then, but it, they, they sure weren't doing it for popularity and for likes. You know, and, so and we, I,
1: I, I know we got questions to go through here, but one more thing, you know, uh, Graham Cook would used to, I would, he, I would do several conferences with him and he made sure to clarify that God's primary interest was not in vindicating you. Publicly and and he, he was very clear on that and then one time it happened to me one time and it was a sweet vindication of that Steve was right blah 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 and I and I wasn't I hadn't quite got his full meaning and I said Graham I thought you said um, God wasn't interested in, in vindicating and he said, I didn't say it would never happen. I just said that's not his primary interest in vindicating. <laughs> you know? So some grace that says once in a while he'll say, everyone will, someone will come up to Johnny and you'll say, Hey, you were right all along, right? But
2: <laughs> Right. There's those those type of things. But so he wants, you know, it's you think it's a it's a balancing game for the Lord himself because if he wants you as a prophetic voice, he has to allow enough things have quick Uh, returns so that your voice is even paid attention to at all. Yeah. So he wants to do that. But then you find out he's usually, he doesn't want it where it's considered your voice is the same as his voice. Yeah. Once you're here to assist people in their relationship with him, and he's not trying to advance the people's relationship with you. They grow as they listen to him more and to the degree you can assist them in that way. Then to that degree, you are helpful for him, you are working with his purposes, so that, that's Very good, yeah,
1: all right, well, this is a day for Q&A, so we're going to go down the list, and here's your first question, uh, this one's by Jackie, she could have asked this question weeks ago, because we, we stopped doing Q&A for a while, because we had so much to do, so Jackie's question is, what is what is the first, second, and third heaven, uh, like what's the first, second, and third heaven? What is that all about? And where is the second heaven? I'm going to add, where is the second heaven in scripture?
2: Well, so let's just um, start with the reality that we are talking an area of mystery, and um, and often the person that has experienced first, second, and heaven, first, second, third heaven realities the most. Um, we'll say the expert at experiencing it is often um, less than expert at explaining it, and so therefore it stays um, a little bit muddled. But I'm going to share it to the best of my understanding, and how, and some of it's going to be obviously right, and then you know some of it you can process and see again what the Holy Spirit uh, causes to resonate in your your own heart spirit. So in simple ways, the first heavens to me is, and and I think obvious is what we're exposed to as humans. This is our reality is the first heavens. And um another way I'll, I'll call it is the realm of light. And um without going into it uh too too deep, but that is um that is our realm. The second heavens is um the the second heavens is a realm think of them as realms again not like physical geographical areas but the realms is a realm where the demonic realm, Satan and his demonic realm, they have been confined to that realm. Um, If they weren't confined there, then we would be facing probably uh, too great of a battle. Um, Because in some ways, in some ways, because you think, well, if I could just see them, it would be easier. But if you saw the size and the number of characters that are against us, we would probably all remain in, in a loss of heart Category and so they are forced and think of that as a dark realm and uh, the dark brain, B R A N E, and so that's the second heaven. We're in the first heaven and so they are um, they their access to our realm is through influencing and it's through um, authority given to them by humans, humans in sin. And uh, or direct, which is still sin, uh, intention to cooperate and work with the demonic, can uh, bring greater access into our realm. But the third heavens then is God's realm and heaven's realm, and it's where Satan does not, Satan or his demons do not have access there apart from being invited or dragged, usually dragged into court. Mm. Um, would be that's where Satan, Lucifer, was cast out of the third heaven. And so. That heaven is the throne room, the New Jerusalem, the Holy City. Um, if we actually understood it correctly, everything, the whole spirit realm, is—I'll um, turn up my hands where it can be seen—is um, under the third heavens.
0: Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to elijahstreams.com/give.
2: And. Uh, but it is a place the, the, the third heavens creatures from the third heavens have full access to second and first heavens. Um, but not the reverse of that. We don't have, it's, it takes some kind of special measure to have access to the third heaven mm. and um, even the second heaven. So there's people who do know how to go into the second heaven intercessor, second heaven, third heaven. And there's various, I usually go after the application of um, the practical application like intercessors who know to go to the second heaven will go there because they understand it is kind of the dark realm and, and you can uh, go and see actually the planning. You can go into where the enemy is actually uh, establishing um, what he wants to do to an individual or a situation or a nation. And so often intercessors will use that information and Uh, We'll say an application of that scriptural um, second heavens would be Elisha, the prophet. There was a situation where uh, Syria, the king of Syria, calls his generals in and says, "Okay, who's betraying me? Because every time we make a plan and we have these great battle plans to get to go after Israel and their king and their leadership, um, it's like they know about it ahead of time. So none of our none of our um, ambushes are working. So tell me, who is it? And so someone of his leader says, it's none of us. They have a prophet, they have Elisha, and he has the capability of listening in on what we're planning. So that wasn't literally second heaven because that was a reality thing, but application wise, it gives us understanding. It's someone who can listen in on the enemy at that the, at that level. They'll often be attacked more by the enemy when the enemy realizes that they can um, listen in on what they're planning. But it's not the danger zone for prophets and intercessors who can go to the second heaven just because there's a plan of the enemy does not mean it's going to happen. And so the error that immature prophets and immature intercessors make is then declaring that as a truth and actually empowering in some way to the degree they have authority, empowering a second heaven plan, a dastardly plan they advance it by prophesying it or speaking it as a reality when it just means what they're trying. And it should be quite obvious that the enemies biblically, it tells us that he is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And so that's what his plans are always going to be. So it shouldn't be surprising. Um, I've shared before, just like I had, you know, part of my own coaching of my intercessors when I was doing a lot of traveling is they would come to me and it would seem like any time I had a new intercessor, one of the first things they would tell me is, "Johnny, could I talk to you?" It was very serious. Yes, hmm. the enemy wants to kill you, and um, and so in some way there's a gun directed at you. And what? And so, but I heard it so much, I would, you know, it didn't move me, and, and I would say to them, "Why doesn't he want to kill you?" And, Good question. Well, wow. uh, so I was like, "Listen, I know he wants to kill me." Uh, we're bringing life we're setting people free from demons we're bringing hope um, people are being healed delivered set free in all kinds of ways of course he does i said it only matters to me like just as far as being helpful to me with your intercession is if you see that then seek to get a third heaven perspective on it the lord's perspective go above go higher and if if you see if the warning is confirmed from there, and they say yeah, you need to do something about it, which you just did actually, then then we can address it. If there is an order from there that says yeah, back off, shut the meeting down, uh, retreat. There's not enough angel cover for what you're doing. Then that's fine. But on, I told them I said ninety percent of the time or better, you're going to have what the Lord is doing, to uh, in the light of that plan of the enemy. He who sits in the heaven laughs. So you see that comes out of Psalm two. He's up to dastardly deeds. The conspiracy, uh, the conspiracies are for sure. They are biblically established to us. David saw that that the nations rage, the leaders, the kings, the uh, you know, the new world order is making dastardly plans. It doesn't mean they're going to succeed. And so it really helps us in going above them then, and we find out. Well, if he, and we want to agree with him, if he's laughing at the enemy's plans, then we want to join in and laughing at them. Oh, the
1: that's good. Um, let me just uh, piggyback on that, the second heaven thing. Um, isn't there a strong possibility that if a prophet, a real prophet, not just a fake one, not a wannabe, can a real prophet be tricked by the enemy to prophesy second heaven revelation? And how would that happen? How could he? be tricked into into prophesying second heaven you kind of just referred to one
2: well it happens actually all the time and i've okay. had to run it's been one of my assignments over the years is to confront even stuff released nationally of seeing a judgment come in seeing uh and i won't say who and tell too much try to keep it somewhat secret okay. but let's say 15 years ago that a certain um well the the flu from hong kong was coming in and that there's no way to stop it um, because a a prophet had seen it in a dream. And um, I remember having a conversation with the prophet and he's like, no, it's coming in. I saw it in a dream. I go, it's not coming in. He goes, looks at me like, what are you talking about? And I says, we're not agreeing with, it was the World Health Organization about to go to level five, announcing that this flu was now going to come and it was going to be, you know, horrible and could kill up to a fifth of the world and this and that and the other. And I said, we became aware of that. I'm from Atlanta. I wasn't in Atlanta uh, when I was talking with this prophet, but I was, I said, I'm, I'm from Atlanta and that's where the center of disease control is. And they're the ones that released that edict saying it's about to come. And I said, we canceled it for my church, uh, for my platform pulpit. I said, they are saying this is coming in. It's not of God. It's not his will. It's an intent. It's it's an attempt and an intent of the enemy. And so we are blocking it. We are saying, no, we are taking our authority in this city and say, you may not come in. And so I had to tell even the prophetic voice who was releasing it even nationally that this was coming in because he had seen it in a dream. And that's what happens way too much. Even this year, the last two years, we've had too many you get a dream of second heaven intentions, and you prophesy it's as real and it's coming in, and you you miss the point of it. It's it's uh, you know there's there's a, a, you pray against it, but then there's a choice to make. There, something in your spirit should tell you what's the right response, and you never just go with what the second heaven is plotting and planning. That's just a it's to me that's just a principle. It's a starting point. You hear the enemy's plotting and planning something. You want to go you want to go higher you want to Good. go to where real knowledge and real wisdom and real insight is and you want to find out so is this something the enemy has right to do because the scriptures also tell you the enemy cannot do things without an open door without a right a curse cannot alight without a cause and so no. if if he can't do that then what, why are we going to be overreact to it so the body of Christ has been very uh, responsive, unfortunately, to fear. Even entire books are written on based on perspectives of what the enemy is attempting to do. And they, they sell millions because fear sells. Um, and it's a great disservice. Then it's actually a danger zone uh, for prophetic voices to the degree that the Lord has used you truly. And he considers you one of his prophetic voices. If you then allow your voice to be used to scare his bride and to uh, advance fear and advance agreement towards a dark agenda, you literally put yourself in, um, in danger uh, physically because uh, uh, of it's such a big deal. And it's such a, you know, people are afraid of the, the Old Testament uh, standard of, well, if you miss a prophetic word, you can be um, stoned or, or whatever if you get it wrong. But it's the greater danger zone is your position before the Lord. Because if he sees not just you get it wrong, but there's something inherently wrong with advancing the enemy's messaging, and that's what can get you, you 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 know you pulled back in some way, your plug gets pulled, and to the you know it's up to the Lord what size of a pulling of the plug it is um, for that. but let me add uh, this, Steve, because this is an insight I really haven't shared okay. in- before is so if we understand the realms. The first heavens is our realm. Third heavens is God's realm. Second heaven uh, it again, the the interference realm. So it's a realm that interferes. Um, I've had prophets that have said, and I, I, I really, I've pondered it, and I think it's true, that any prayer request that makes it to the third heaven gets answered. So if you get through the interference realm, it'll get answered. And I think this is why we have it's our lack of understanding that part of the mystery mm. that gets us disappointed a lot with God. And, and we misunderstand him because we're like, well, you say if you pray, this will happen. It didn't happen. And so we're relatively ignorant about the resistance realm um, that's between us and the throne room. And I think a lot of that resistance actually has to do, this is a good picture for us and for the body of Christ at this time. Think of, we've shared before how Lucifer, satan is a legalist and he has a massive contingency of think of think of uh you know a wall street um legal firm he's got his own legal firm and they are in uh and he's got uh, he's got a big crowd of them and as prayers come up they bring accusations against whoever's bringing those prayers okay and anywhere from Some level of sin, and it's not all sins, but there's certain sins. It says, you know, there's talking about even husbands and wife, uh, the unity between you, that your prayers be not blocked. Well, who's blocking it? And so there is second heaven blocking of things um, because of uh, legal matters. Legal matters can go into um, you one time ask for something, but on the side multiple times you say, I just don't think God hears my prayers anymore. And you've kind of cursed yourself a bunch of times. And so there wow. is combat in the courtroom of heaven. It doesn't mean the enemy, that the Lord will go with that. but if And the enemy was, uh, will say, they don't really have faith. They're just saying this. You can't give them this. And we just don't know how all that. That's our area of a little bit of uh, confusion. But it goes into why certain things aren't just simple. Well, I asked, why didn't he just do it? second heaven interference and a lot of it is over legal matters and to the degree we get an advance in understanding that to that degree i believe we'll see next level of uh prayers being answered
1: is it i want to drill down on that one just a little bit is it that god you prayed let's say you're you're praying and miss because your faith is sucky okay and so is it that god can't hear it or is it that he heard every word you prayed, but the enemy had an accusation that had legal grounds, and so he can't act on it? Would you say it's like that?
2: Somewhat, but you have to accompany that with mystery, because he can't hear it. And it may be just like things that thinking in the natural in court cases, like you're trying to get a hearing. Yeah. You know, they celebrate if they get a hearing. Will they get a hearing? No, they won't. They won't even. It's what's going on in Congress right now. They're trying not to allow... The Department of Justice is trying not to allow a hearing of Hunter Biden's former partner who will tell all on it, and they're trying to block it because they know it's damning uh, uh, information that'll be coming out. Their victory is if they can block that from even getting there, then they don't have the consequences of this report coming out. And so there are, you know, the. The scriptures are full of the Lord, the Lord saying, you pray, I don't hear him. And there's, there's talking of his face being turned. And so it's like, it's not like he hears them that, again, we don't know if things are shared for us just so we can understand it in that kind of way. But there are, there are things that don't even make it as a hearing to the father because they legally get blocked.
1: Well, and, and you know, the scripture that there's that one that you, you refer to husbands, love your wives and uh, you know, as under the church, da, 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 da. And it's either that one or one similar to that. He says, he's talking to the husbands. If you don't do that, you it says that your prayers be not hindered. So the, the, the language that the Lord chooses is if you don't love your wife and treat her well, your prayers are hindered End of story, full stop. Right. It's like, there's some mystery in that.
2: Yeah. And there's a bigger, bigger, a much bigger one, or I guess it's Jesus when he's teaching on the Lord's prayer. Um, forgive us our debts as we forgive. Well, who's keeping tracks on that? It's going to be second heaven disturbance, demonic whatever, Lucifer. His name is accuser. So he's there as a prosecuting attorney and we're there asking and we're pleading and we may fast We may fast 40 days and plead for the Lord a breakthrough on something. And, and the enemy is there saying, they have not forgiven somebody. Uh, right here, your own guidelines say you can't You can't forgive him that one. And and so those are the things that we remain too ignorant of is how many things that we are self-sabotaging our own advances, our own breakthrough, because we don't do some clearly, plainly laid out things in Scripture. Like there are just, if we have unforgiveness, it's just going to cost our prayer life somewhere. Yeah. and, and, you know, I had a someone who works ministerially in that. He said he found 90 percent of the body of Christ to have unforgiveness in them, but they had excuses and explanations um, for it. And so, you know, well, it was, you know, it was uniquely cruel and mean and whatever. But there's not that kind of we don't understand uh, that. The connection between blocked prayers of breakthrough for our own uh, future destiny and the fact that we feel entitled to hold on to something. But we do have a legalist and we have a legalist army uh, that will block and interfere from the second heaven. And it's something I think the Lord wants us to pay more attention to um, anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'll throw one more out. This is an important one to me, but it's also very complex. So I was a child of abuse. You've heard many have heard me say that, uh, but God has still clarified to me. Now both of my parents are now with the Lord. Um, has clarified to me that I'm to honor my father and, and my mother, and and even after they're gone. So I tell the truth about my father, but I also honor him and I thank God because he lived, I live. Because he had a plan. you had a plan for him. you have and all different kind of things. And anyway, that says, even Jesus repeated that and says, it says, honor your father and your mother, that it may go well with you. It was a very specific, really good. But now talk about that. Um, um, This is a whole new subject a little bit. But someone who's had a horrible, abusive situation, I've made peace with how I can honor my father and my mother. What would you say uh, to someone who's had nothing but abuse, but they they don't want their Life to be hindered; that it w- will not go well with them. Any any thoughts on that?
2: Well, one thing, and I thought you were going to mention it, you because I th- think you have before is forgiving doesn't yeah. mean you stay in an abusive situation. That's like, right. Um, you know, if you had a choice, unfortunately, that's what's so sad about being a child is you have no choice yeah. but stay in a situation, and it goes on and on, and it compounds. Uh, you know, the injury of it all, and the Lord knows that. The Lord knows it's clearly. Uh, there is a difference between growing up years under being physically sexually violated yeah. by a parent and and the fact that they didn't give you a promised raise and uh you know at work it may be hard um, but that is that is just an easier um, forgiveness we'll we'll say that or if somebody pulled in front of you in traffic um that's that's a lighter a lighter thing to deal with I do believe that the lord understands how hard it is to, uh, to forgive certain situations. And that's why, you know, he had to come himself and say, is there anything greater, more, um, would there be any more awful experience than to Mm. be actually the creator of the world and have your kids spit at you, yell at you, cuss Mm. at you, beat you and, And you say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing in that process. And so he doesn't just ask something of us that is humanly impossible uh, because he, you know, he did, he experienced the worst thing imaginable. And it was not just even at the cross. It was throughout um, his life in different ways, but particularly his three and a half years of, of, of ministry. And so I think the rewards are great for i think that's one thing that's not talked about but i think yeah. reports are great when you take the the direction that you have steve is where you're like you know i am going to tell the truth um so honoring them doesn't mean you suppress the truth particularly the, you knew uh to withhold you know and not saying you have to withhold telling about it while they're alive right but that's it, it makes it tough to know yeah. Like, yeah. Some, is it better for me to help people who are going through that, and and so you have to be directed by the holy holy spirit in that, but you just being able to recognize and like you just said, you know there there, there was some good that I can say that came out of it, and I understand that for him to be where he was, speaking of your dad, that he must have experienced horrific things. Yeah. You don't get born and do you know you just that didn't just come naturally and so
0: help Elijah streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah streams and the Elijah streams podcast possible. visit elijahstreams slash give and become a partner today.
2: something must have happened to him as well, so there's a way of looking back at a situation at a person where you embrace the forgiveness because this is something. God says you can do, but if you needed the motivation of, you also don't want your prayers blocked because your own progression in life and your destiny gets blocked. And I think that's probably an underreported aspect of it that we're looking at right now.
1: Yeah, I was, I was always very, I have always been very motivated by the scriptures that said, what will block things going well with me? What will hinder my prayer? That motivates me just on the face of it whether it's whether it's fair that I have to forgive or fair that I have to honor. I was more highly motivated by, I don't want my life. And I mean, that's what I would uh, exhort other people to do is be motivated by, by the benefit of of following through on that. All right. We camped on that for a while. Okay. Sam is asking when Jesus was on earth, he had the harshest words for the Pharisees and not government, which spirit, which spirit? Well, I'm sorry. Which spirit presents more of an issue for the body of Christ, in your opinion, the spirit of Antichrist or the spirit of religion?
2: Well, in a very real way, they both are um, Antichrist spirit, in the sense that Antichrist, the Greek word Christos, is anointing. They're anti the anointing. Uh, either way you look at it. And but I'll expand more into what I think they're 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 talking about. But um, people don't realize that a religious spirit is an antichrist spirit. Yeah, that's what I I was thinking.
1: I thought you might say that. It is.
2: But uh, what is different if they're saying like looking at the enemy in the mountain of religion versus the enemy in the mountain of of government, which is kind of what they're saying as well. The difference is the religious spirit is. Is something that comes in a disguise always, so it's like Lucifer. There's an uh, there's an attempt to an intent to deceive, and um, think of what we've been mentioning a few times last few weeks of a wolf in sheep's clothing Ooh. versus just a lion or bear. David talked about the lion or the bear. He stopped the lion or the bear, um, and so that's that would be kind of something, the enemy attacking you from the mountain of government in a direct way. But often what is so much more painful and more dangerous and actually influences a whole lot more people is the wolf in sheep's clothing Mm. uh, dynamic where you you thought it was somebody you could trust. You thought Mm. it was that type of situation. So yes, there's a reason Jesus would go after them at a whole nother level. He didn't seem to spend a lot of time attacking the centurions or um, even Caesars and, and others, you know, there's some comments here and there, but he would call them, you know, vipers and snakes and, and white-walled sepulchers and like the worst things that you could imagine. He, that's what he would call the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders because they were supposed to be representatives of him. And so these were like supposed to be his pastors. And, and, and so it is a greater evil that they're doing. Evil you expect to do evil. That which is disguised as good, yeah. you don't expect that. So there, there is, they are right. Um, that is a, a greater um indignity that the Lord hates more.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. Uh okay, Blair asks this question. Pastors must go through ordination. Okay, so that's first of all, pastors must go through ordination. We all kind of get that. It says, but not apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> well, this,
2: this could, uh, you know, could uh, go long as it relates to ordination. Everything about biblical government governance, just about everything um, about biblical government governance, is out of order. Um, and, and let me explain. So. Um, you know, there is no biblical, like if you try to, say, find church uh, government that allows for a pastor, one man that pastors a church, and you say, this is a scripture, it's the book of Second Peter, so you won't find it, it's just not there. So, and what you do find is um, elders being allowed to lead a church, and then you find apostles and prophets being highlighted. Um, several times that they are allowed to lead. So the idea of a pastor leading a church, um, if it's a true pastor from the heart, is is, is non-biblical from that standpoint. Now, I'm, I'm trying to not say so much that people overreact to this. I was, in quote, called a pastor for many years as a pastor of a church as well. But I would point out that that's, you know, sort of an accepted title that goes, but really if you don't have apostolic or prophetic perspective, you're not supposed to be leading a church. An apostolic prophetic perspective is not really do you have the ability to give personal prophetic words as a prophet, nor is it do you have churches under your command, is what they've said apostles are now, nor even can you lay hands on people and they fall out in the spirit. Those aren't the guidelines uh, that, uh, that make you a prophet or an apostle. It's can you see the meta narrative, the big picture. Do you know what's going on? Can you see the whole battle? See the re- the thing that makes a pastor a true pastor good is the very thing that makes him um, bad for running a church. The good part of a true pastor, a shepherd, because that's what the word means, even in Spanish, pastor, same word for pastor, the same word for shepherd, is someone who knows how to care for hearts and for the wounded. Think of um, you know, Mash. MASH units, um, militarily speaking, the ones that care for the wounded. Well, someone who's very good at running a MASH tent and just has got it down, an excellent pastor, um, knows how to prioritize who's wounded and how to best take care Mm -hmm. of them, is going to be um, not the right guy running the war or the battle. Uh, He'll have a different perspective. And his goals are different. His goals are getting the individuals um, better and healed. If he thinks long-term, yes, it's to get him out on the battlefield. Often pastors miss that aspect, even of their call, that they're not just called to get people healthy for the sake of being healthy. They think they're hospitals instead of mass units. You're supposed to get them healthy so they can be back on the battlefield. But a, a past, uh, an apostle or prophet always understands we're in a war zone, we're in a battle. So has to frame conversation, teaching, instruction around that. So that's why when you're not talking kingdom or the kingdom of God, um, you're, you're just, it, it's kind of, uh, it's self-revealing that you don't really understand what you're about, which what's the framework of the narrative you're, you're there for. So I'm, I'm telling more than this person asked. I'm going to go into that a little more in just a second, but just the whole system is a little bit, um, uh, broken in that we are not prioritizing the way things are supposed to be prioritized biblically. And the question was, so there's ordination for pastors. Well, there was an ordination for pastors uh, in the Bible. So even, I don't know if person who asked that question, you're aware, there was an ordination for pastors. There
1: was not? There, there was no. not. Okay, okay.
2: There was, uh, and there specifically is not ordination the way we do it today. Ordination today is you go through some seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary, or wherever, and therefore you are now given this uh, you know, approval and, and so there is there is no organization that can give you and validate your call uh, in the eyes of the Lord just by it being a steady organization. Biblical model is apostles and prophets are the ones that um, validate ministry calls. True apostles, not just if you have the title and the name. True apostles, true prophets, because they're thinking in context of the battle and the war and the narrative and the victory we are all working towards. And, and understand all these things we've been talking about the last several years that Daniel's prophesied into that we're headed towards when the saints rule and reign at a, at a next level. And so they're the ones advancing um, that narrative and that understanding. And so they're the ones that then see key people and where they would fit ministerially. The 5 full ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, And so this, you know, we have the body of Christ has attempted the last 20 or 30 years more than ever before to, or since we'll say the book of Acts, they've attempted more than ever to, to validate and, 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 and activate these five full ministries. So on the, on the positive, there are, there are more, there's more intent to, to get this done the right way than ever before, but we're still really, really early uh, in the process, but. So what about prophets and apostles? There's also no biblical standard. There is no laying hands on one and you're now a prophet. Mm -hmm. There's no laying hands on another and you're an apostle. It was, um, we get that just subtle insights from 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul's teaching on prophecy and the prophetic and who prophesies and who judges prophecy. And it says when he's, you know, kind of done saying all his stuff, he says, let he who considers himself a prophet um, understand everything I'm telling. So you're like, why are you saying he considers himself a prophet? It implied that there wasn't a clear system of somebody laid hands and they became a prophet or they went to somebody's school of the prophets and they became a prophet. And, And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that. It's just, it's not the validation system established by the scriptures. Furthermore, you go to Revelation, when it talks about one of the churches, when the letters to the seven churches in Revelation says, you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And so that was the Lord cheering them. So it's like, so you could say you're an apostle and, and apparently so. And but there's are supposed to be proofs of being an apostle. It wasn't who laid hands on you. It's do you have the proofs of an apostle? Hmm. Do you have signs and wonders? Do you have the humility? Do you have, you know, there's, I have a whole teaching on that sometime as well. So um, I don't know if that helps. Well, yeah,
1: you know, I was going to say this, John, Weber. you, I'm sure you must have heard this in the past. He, you know, because people, especially back in John Weber days, well, when is someone going to recognize me as a pastor and lay hands? When's going to, when's, when are they going to recognize me even as an elder? I, they don't see, and John Weber would say an elder, elds. an elder is someone who elds. And a pastor is someone who pastors. You think you're a pastor? Go pastor, pastor people. In other words, walking around even in your own church, you can pastor people in a pastoral way. I don't know. What are your thoughts on on if you if you think you're something, get busy doing it. I don't know what what would you say on that?
2: Yes, um, you know, just uh, nobody um, nobody laid hands on me and told me I was a prophet. Yeah. Um, if anybody needs to hear that, like, <gasps> you weren't validated by. Uh, <laughs> you are in anything?
1: trouble now, Johnny.
2: But, um, <clears throat> so there is, uh, there is, you know, there's where the Lord validates you through. You just go around and you speak words and then they happen. And as I've shared before, for yeah. me, that's, I didn't call myself. I still don't, but people have been calling me for over 20 years, prophet, because, um, so many words that I've given have come to pass. And and unique words and words of discovery of treasure and, and bigger deals um, even. And so it goes with what you just said, though. If you're an elder, eld, um, if you're if you're a prophet, you know, that's the unfortunate thing. If you're needing a school of the prophets so you can have the diploma to put up in your wall so you can tell somebody um, if that's the reason for it. It's not really why you want to do it. Now, if you went to the School of the Prophets because you really wanted to learn more about it. So I'm not knocking School of the Prophets type thing. We have trained and and taught on the prophetic in various capacities as well here in other nations. And so there is something good uh, about that. But ultimately, you're going to be recognized as one when the fruit of what you do is enough. Now, I will say... It's not 100% that. The unfortunate part of it is there is suppressing of real giftedness in the body of Christ, where somebody who has uh, real prophetic gifting, real whatever gifting, pastoral, we know women who have in general better pastoral hearts than men. Um, That may be controversial, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Who are the discerners? Who do you go through in your own household when you have kids for discerning a situation and caring? true, True story. And so you have all these scriptures that are not understood or twisted in some way to not allow women to pastor and so it's not just that's where it goes okay i mean they can still exercise it you're just going to have to exercise your caring and pastoral heart without being approved uh, or recognized and so you have to do so without recognizing
1: isn't there a certain there's a certain reality that if you're doing what you say, elding or pastoring, uh, uh, you will end up getting recognized by the people. So my example is I took a, the Vance training, with CI, 20, 30 years ago next year. It'll be 30 years. And they didn't lay hands on and say, you're a prophet. And I, and they said, don't go home and say you're a prophet. I've never said I was a prophet. I don't think I'm a prophet. But they said, but go, go home without announcing you are anything and just begin to prophesy to people if you feel led. I happened to be on the ministry team of that church again 30 years ago, and so the very first Sunday, I I had felt a real release because because that thing set me free from things that were, and I just started giving words. I was praying for healing in the ministry line. Then I'd start giving words. Pretty soon, within the week three, there's lines wanting me to pray for them. In other words, when I did what I was supposed to do, lines form. You know, if you're pastoring there'll almost be uh, around the pe- lines of people will follow you to want you to be pastoring. In other words, encouraging, building them up, speaking into their lives there. Now you're pastoring, right? I don't know. Thoughts?
2: Well, yeah. And actually, as I was going back to, I, I mentioned prophesying over 20 years, it's been 30 years. And here's the deal is even when it was, when ministry was breaking out and breaking through for me, I was traveling to central and south america i wasn't even attending I can just show you I'm not recommending this i wasn't even attending a church and um because we had come out of a, a a horrible situation we've told about uh, before and it was it, it we were meeting with friends it was just tough finding any place where we fit and so we were making trips and i i would have scores you know those days if people remember you they'd come up with their tape recorder, could you pray for me? And so I it would be hours on end in multiple days yeah. doing that. Um and and because we'll, we'll see you know a reputation of the prophetic was um, was going going on and was going out. And so you know it's it's a little bit of both that like do whatever he's called you to do and be if you need the title first it usually means there's an insecurity yeah. inside inside totally. of it is is the reality
1: totally true totally true all right uh rich is asking how did you discover a victorious eschatology eschatology your last day study of last day events if anyone wants to know what that means uh how did you discover a victorious uh, eschatology what books or teachers had an influence or the greatest influence on you
2: well, and again, for those of you, if you, this is your first time or first or second time listening to me, you have to go back to many, many um, of our Monday uh, messages yeah. this year to go through all the victorious, what, what it means, victorious eschatology. Eschatology is end times. And so there's a victorious outlook. And it's very simple. We get it from Daniel that the end game is the saints um, manifesting the kingdom. To such an extent that, as, as Daniel prophesied, the whole earth was filled, like the kingdom of God was like a mountain that filled the whole earth. And there is a crushing of every other kingdom, every other manifestation of the Antichrist gets crushed. <clears throat> and so what is it that the question he's asking is, What is it? What? where did that come from for me? Well, um, I'd say... First of all, be my God view. Um, I you know, I, I frequently say that. I suppose what you think about God's the most important thing about you. Yeah. The God I've gotten to know is just too big and powerful for there to be a a mediocre outcome or end game. So hmm. I I I I just couldn't from you know from I'm going to kind of lay out several points, but point number one is my God could not create a storyline where his people struggles and struggles and struggles. And then finally he feels sorry for them. Um, and then he removes them. And then finally deals with the enemy that he called us to deal with, where he said, you know, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You arise, you shine, you are the light of the world. You are the salt. He tells us all these, I give you power over every work of the enemy. That's what he did to his first disciples and this first group of leaders that he released over every power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you and so it's like okay he couldn't you know he couldn't accomplish his plan and so he has to pull out a uh, all right michael let's go rescue him it's like in simple terms my god could not have a storyline that's that weak and mediocre.
0: Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah's Dreams and the Elijah's Dreams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now back to the show.
2: But furthermore, um, you know, my love for the scriptures um, and my love for the the Lord himself, as I study him, they go together, my love for the scriptures. Um, And in it, again, it makes the God I know greater and greater, but then you just look you know, I shared a couple weeks ago, I think, a theology of the earth, um, with, which about, I don't know, with about 40 or 50 scriptures that show his care and concern for the world. I, I shared there, if your theology of the earth is proper, then it's, it, that's almost established as 90% of victorious eschatology, just having a correct es, uh, perspective on the earth, just based on the scriptures from Genesis 1, where he says, and he made, you know, before he ever made man, He made the mountains, the sea, and earth, and he let there be, let there be, and God thought it was good, and then God thought it was very good, and that's before he ever put man there, and then he ends up with the new Jerusalem descending on earth, to earth, and and it creates a whole new dynamic, and you're like, and all the scriptures from there, so when you love the Lord, love his scriptures, it also, um, that feeds into it. Now, in recent times, it's only in this last several months or whatever, that I've um, uh, recommended um, and I, I will to people because of his scholarly work, Harold Everly. Uh, he is, you know, victorious eschatology and he has some other uh, uh, books. Let's try to um, think of another book of uh, what was the name of another book? Well, anyway, he does. And it's not that I have a 100% agreement um, with him. I don't, I'm not even sure of all his points. But he does a defense, uh, basically, of, of victorious eschatology that coincides. He does it kind of from a different perspective of going directly into scriptures and scrutinizing. I start with my perspective of God, and it uh, doesn't mean it's better. It's just that's how, how it is. And so I think if you read his books on, on victorious eschatology, and I wish I had that other book. I just want to recommend um, right now. I think I have it right up there. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, it, that's so if somebody wants to look into it more, l- look not just into that matter, but look into uh, not just his book, um, Victorious Eschatology. But I mean, it's pretty much enough established there, really. It, he has other stuff. Uh, um, I read another recent book because I, I like the way he thinks and processes and he comes yeah. at it a little different than, than I do. But that was the crap. the question is, you know, how do you How do you get there? And so that
1: did you start, Johnny, did you as long as you could remember, was uh, losing the church, losing and God finally saying, "Okay, I'll rescue them. Was that illogical on its face always or did you come to a point where it just was losing the God you knew was not adding up to what people were teaching? I mean, how did that did you used to be on the other side?
2: you know even the movement i grew up in that i then kind of confronted it as a cult yeah the so before i really was able to get much of my own view on it they had a view that was that the rapture was not the great answer from god that the great answer from god was the revealing of his sons it was a roman there was a high priority of romans 8 the creation groans and travails for the revealing of the sons and daughters of the king. And so that the proper uh, perspective that they brought was that um, even creation understands that there has to be a growing up of the sons and daughters of the king that is the, the important stage before mm-hmm. him comes back. And that he's only, uh, again, this is pre-10 years old. I'm hearing that he's coming back only for a bride, spotless without spot or wrinkle. And so we are that bride. And so, you know, that was formative for me. The part where they went off was it went into elitism and perfectionism and even discounting what God did on the cross through Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you don't want to have to use the blood of Jesus. You want to make, it's sort of like, they, they, you know, Paul warned about it in some of his writings that if you try to make it apart from grace, if you try to make it apart from the blood of Jesus, you've actually fallen from yeah. grace because you tried that. Our
1: theologies were a thousand percent different, and yet they were a hundred percent the same, yours and mine, because the same thing, because God was coming for a, a bride without spot or wrinkle, we needed to get without spot or wrinkle, the sooner the better. And then they then they codified what things created to spot a wrinkle. Pretty soon you don't need the blood of Jesus because he did their theology by some magical thing made it all possible. But that was it. Now that it's possible, let's get holy. And here here's the rules. I mean, yeah, right.
2: Like, dresses an inch below your knee. Yeah, made you um, holy, and uh, you know, no for group movement. I grew up with no facial hair.
1: Yep. Wow. Um,
2: no, no long hair. And there's all these these natural things that you did and didn't do that, like you said, they codified what what that was. And so instead of uh, so you start with the truth that, yeah, creation groans and travails for sons and daughters of the king. But they're they're looking for anointed sons and daughters of the king, yeah. carry his love. His presence can exactly. heal. His in love can hug the leper. Whatever, not ones that can walk around like the Pharisees and like, why are you not holy like I am? Because that's kind of it. Was the weirdest package? Well, didn't you
1: walk around saying like we did? You, might, we said we're the one true church. Didn't you say the same thing? For sure. And didn't we? Didn't you say you're the true church in Revelation? And we said we're the true church in Revelation, uh, the, the remnant church of Revelation. That's what we said. Did you say that?
2: Well, the way it—and I won't say I said—if I grew up under that, yeah, yeah. it was said even a little more sophisticated and elite. <laughs> it was in in like the context of the tabernacle that there is, you know, the tabernacle had the outer court, yeah. the inner court, and the holy of holies.
1: Sounding familiar?
2: We were the holy place uh, people. That this is this is yes. If you want to be one of the outer court, so. Uh, believers that only cared in salvation and making it into heaven were outer court Christians, those that understood that they needed to live in purity and essentially not need the blood of Jesus anymore. They missed yeah. the point that even in the tabernacle, the same blood, when when there was the shedding of the blood, um, that blood, this, it dripped all the way into the holiest of holies like there was no entrance into oh, it. Man. Except by that, that was part of the Lord correcting my own perspective.
1: The one prophet that they have said, this is a quote, uh, a a part of the sentence is that at the very, very, very end, when God was deciding who was going, who was going to get saved, during that time, this this is basically a quote, that we will have to stand before a holy God without an intercessor. And this means during those final days, you will now be, have to stand without an intercessor, therefore without the Holy spirit. And you'll have to be so good that you'll be able to stand without that. It was, it's a demonic conclusion.
2: Steve is truly is amazing. he said they are a hundred miles apart in some ways, but it's the same spirit because literally the leader of the movement I grew up in uh, said, it's going to be as in the days of Noah when they're saying open, open. But if you can't, essentially like in the ark that they couldn't they couldn't open the door. It was too late, and he's they were saying like if you basically if not directly if you don't instead of saying if you don't make it on your works you're not getting in it's like if you still have sin you're not going in, and so it was and and it and there's an application. It's true except we have but it you know the application of uh, of Jesus as the atoner and the one that made righteousness available through what he did was not taught us exactly so it was like these weak christians that need to rely on jesus is what came out and i realized oh my goodness the cross and jesus what he did oh, yeah And like,
1: in, in our case they would say no 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 it's jesus it, were you saying we? i would say mom, mom you're saying we need we can do this without g no 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 you need jesus he died on the cross no that it's not possible without him dying on the cross but now mom we're on our own or, you know, yes. it's like, you know, you have to sort of, and with respect kind of, you know, based on God's grace, a bunch of people who have that belief are going to be with, with the Lord. They just, by the skin of their words, I don't know how you would say going to
2: be, You know, Peter's going to give them a couple of backhands when they walk <laughs> in. <or something. laughs> you ridiculous fools. Okay, go in.
1: Well, you know, we all have everyone's got their version of the joke about visiting heaven, and they say, "shh, when you go by here be be really quiet to this section of heaven and they'd in my in my uh, denomination, they'd say you know the joke was shh, be quiet here. Why do I have to be quiet because the seventh Adventists are there, and they think they're the only ones here, so you know, <laughs> but there's a bunch of groups who who probably are going to go to be with the Lord, but they think they're they're going alone, right? I don't know. yes, you know we have to laugh at it because it's silly theology and yep. yet when it's drummed into you over a lo- generations, years and generations day after day, you believe it and it makes sense to you, yeah you don't realize it. All right, well let's let's get another one in here. We've got a little time here um johnny there should be a cooperation between the right brain in put in parentheses thinking and the left brain thinking yes i don't know i guess left brain thinking right brain thinking right and he says well we need the, the leading of the holy spirit Then put in parentheses more right brain it seems we also need the implementation provided by the logical sense from the left brain to complete our assignment can you elaborate on this well if you can follow that but yeah I'll I'll, I'll
2: help people follow it. So what's literally the truth is you have a left brain processor and a right brain processor, and um, they don't process things the same. And your right brain processor processes things um, in a a more dynamic kind of way. And so it is, you know, it's more discerning and uh, f- uh, fluid um, intuitive uh, pictures subjective creative and your left brain your your left side there will be the you know more analytical and sequential objective logical and so um, there is an understanding <clears throat> I, I've thought into and they, they mentioned that I'll go into it briefly it's really there's a whole message that is that is good to get get on it is even part of the um, messing up of the education system even part of the uh, design of the enemy in order to produce bad fruit from the mountain of education is to press brains into the left and so and to reward left brainism again uh, left brainism ends up being more like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil critical thinking that critical thinking is the highest processing that you can come to and so you ask pros and cons as opposed to tree of life and so uh intuitive things i think from a chart i have i'll say a left brain the language of the left brain is words the language of the right brain is pictures the processing of the left brain is analytical the processing of the right brain is intuitive uh concept of time the left brain is sequential the right brain simultaneous the left brain the favorite questions are what and the right brain why and how mode of learning i know there's too much to follow but this is some of you'll pick up some of these things mode of learning for the left brain is observing the right brain is participating the perspective of the left brain is objective the right brain is subjective hmm. the expression of the left brain is logical the right brain creative but to boil it down into simple terms there is one the right brain is open, has a chimney to the spirit realm. If you can remember that one, and the left brain doesn't. It's like computer. It's whatever. So the right
1: brain is. I feel them in the spirit right now. I can feel them. And The left brain says, "Don't go by your feelings. Is it logical what they're teaching? Is it, in, you know, is it in the word? Just go by that only that. Right? This kind of got both.
2: And so your left, yes. So your left brain will um, uh, can can it can only spit back to you what you've programmed into it. So it can give you no discernment. It cannot give you faith. You cannot have faith with your left brain. Oh, wow. You can study. all. I've had to tell people this before. I've read all the scriptures of faith. I've spent hours finding the Greek and the Hebrew here. And this, I can't have faith. I says, you're trying to get faith with your left, left side of your brain. You can't. Faith is a substance. The things for, It's a leap you have to take. It's a, a risk you have to, you know, there's That's a jump good. there that, that, takes place. That's why Jesus would say, you know, cast a net to the right. We've thought on that before. The the net going to the left, it has limited reward. It has the rewards of a computer. It can give back to you what you've poured into it. But if you want to get transcendent help, if you want to get divine help, you have to have the ability to go to the right and open up. So presence cannot be accessed through the left brain. You cannot say or think enough holy things to connect you with presence. You have to open up. That's why the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you'll say love, joy. It's a fruit of it. And so it produces, you, you can't with didactic study, you cannot produce these things of love, joy, peace. You can say, well, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose joy. You can get some measure of something that masquerades as whatever, but you need something that's pr- producing it, like interaction, relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. So another way to answer her question is how they have to work together. Think through what is more important: a picture or its frame. And and so um, you know there may be different perspectives. I think we we kind of know um, that the picture itself is. I'll have something that I'll tell about more in just a second too. I got this right here. So we have oh, the wow. frame, uh, we have the the, the frame. Uh, And then we have the picture. This is not really even a picture here, but you all get the idea. So the frame is important. It's, you know, it provides the boundaries, the setting is put there. And so that's kind of what your left brain will do. It'll do the parameters and it will, you know, if you just had a picture that had no end, then it's, it's, it's not helpful as well. So our teaching is not that your, your left brain is useless. It just needs to know it it's the passenger it's not supposed to be in the driver's seat, and so the problem is our education system puts the left brain in the driver's seat and you're the uh, uh, the one you're the passenger trying to get your voice heard and you can't get it heard and so there's a reason again husbands in particular will understand this is like the things that will aggravate you about your wife and this is not across the board but a high percentage you'll say ninety percent of marriage is a go for a while your wife will i don't trust them why why you want and you're frustrated why you should or shouldn't do something based on that they're picking something up from the right from the open to the spirit realm chimney and it's. they may not not
1: even know why they just know that they don't feel it trust with this person right
2: and i don't can't tell you how many husbands if not every husband i've ever talked to like i've learned to listen to my wife
1: that's the the truth
2: discernment comes from that they're picking up a wisdom that doesn't come from the computer it comes from the spirit realm you're asking help from which is the Holy Spirit and so uh, that is um, that is just an important reality to to be aware of that that's that's what we want to uh, be prioritizing but well, there is, and Go and ahead. John,
1: you're saying let me just kick it back to you because you're saying we need the spirit and we need the word we need the spirit and we need the word but it sounds like the experience of Christ is not going to be found in the word itself. Uh, uh, and, and as an example, uh, John Wimmer, I, I don't know why I'm quoting him today, but he would always say, the Bible isn't the meal, it's the menu from what's In other words, the experience, if you experience what's in the word, that's the meat anyway I, anyway thoughts on any of that well
2: you know the scripture the letter kills but the yeah. spirit gives life yeah so he's if people don't know what that's an actual scripture in corinthians yeah, it is. The spirit the letter kills it wasn't just that the letter is neutral that the written letter of the word has you know we have 50,000 plus denominations all based on the word but it's somebody has run with um their interpretation of it doesn't mean there's not supposed to be that. It's not acceptable for there to be multiple denominations. It does make it harder for the enemy to just go after one head and shut down something. Um, But we, we, we just understand that, um, uh, that that's um, a reality. I was going to go down another uh, uh, path um, with, with it, uh, you know, uh, and I got distracted with it, but I'm going to just add this, this to it establishing again, the value of of the left brain in the sense of um, there's like, okay, what's more important to get ready or to get ready on time? Like I've often, I raised four daughters and I've thought, and I've had to tell them because they're always challenging the clock. So (laughs) I'm in this position of the left brain, they're getting all beautied up and they're going (laughs) to be beautiful and stunning, but if they don't have the help from the left brain, Uh, from me saying, we have to go now or we're not going to make the event you're dressed up for. Um, And so there is uh, value and and purpose for that. But you're back to what Steve's just saying. You're not going to experience his presence. No. um, When it says the righteous shall live by faith. Faith is not an operation of the left brain. You will never get a, a, a process that leads you to faith. Um, You will never get a a process that's in agreement with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Pros and cons are never, even if it ends up something that sort of agrees with judging something by pros and cons, he will never ask, if you go through all the instructions of God and the Holy Spirit, whether it's the children of Israel, whether it's whoever, it always violates pros and cons.
0: Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give.
2: You know, Moses, raise your rod. Um, this could be foolish. I'm going to raise my rod, and, and so the waters are going to part. That That's like that's right brain revelation. So revelation um, is always going to flow from the, you know, just the, give helpful points to people without telling the whole thing. Uh, Revelation is always going to come from the right side. Sigmund Freud realized even asking questions, he had some study on it where depending on where he touched people in the brain, uh, on the head, that they would respond differently. He found different responses just based on touching it. And it worked for me enough that I've told this before, when I was having to do all those hundreds of prophetic words on tape recorders over and over time, I'd like, I can't do another one. I, I, and I hear the Lord like, so this is coming from, from you. Cause it only gets exhausting. If you're coming from your computer and trying to think of another, I need to figure out another way to it's not, it's like it can just flow all day from the right, from the right side. You have your chimney open to the spirit realm and you have nothing of your own to offer. Somebody shows up, then you get a picture, you get a word, you get a feeling for them. So if you want to grow in the prophetic, since this is Elijah streams, Elijah lists, everything about Elijah's here is about growing in the prophetic. You really need to learn how to uh, make a turn to the right side and understand that you were conditioned to have the right side of your brain shut off by education itself, by instruction. And the more education you have, if you went into the masters, if you went to the doctor of divinity or doctor of anything, you know, you're so far in the left by design. That you cannot even hear the voice of God unless you repent by that means. Consciously turn away from valuing that processing because men don't get into a pride thing. Is like yeah, these women they got you know they just get this feeling and whatever, and we're supposed to go with it. And you find out a whole lot more truth is coming out of that than than their their processing. Well, so, you know,
1: and, and, and this is going to be really weird because I've never quoted Sean uh, Wimber so much in my entire life. I don't know why he's on the brain today, but great guy. He's with the Lord. He would, co- I would go to his conference of signs and wonders and Johnny, he would, he would, t- when he was trying to do theology, he would read large passages that he had pre-written. And this scripture means this, and as the more he'd read and read and read this theology, they were all true and I'd get sleepier and sleepier. And then he says, let me tell you about this woman that all of a sudden he's tells you the story. Here's what God did. Here's, and now I'm wide awake. That's left brain versus right brain, right?
2: It, it was the Jesus style of communicating. Um, it was with pictures. He didn't have mm. one through seven, take your pens out, a you know, chalkboard, you know, point number one, point number two, point number three. No, it was pictures. And it, the kingdom of heaven is like. It, that's why people so often in our culture frustrated by Jesus' teaching. because, like, what's my direct takeaway? Yeah. <laughs> why, why didn't you do this? Sick-? They, they were so frustrated.
1: Stuff. Tell us plainly.
2: <laughs> but, tell us plainly. And it's all the kingdom is like this. And then he tells a picture and he makes you chew on it and process it and not come with an immediate, uh, you know, wasn't microwavable truth that just came out in a moment. You have to think on it for a while about the sower cast seed and it's on rocky ground and some good soil and here and the birds. And then you you go thinking about it for days. What would the birds be? What is this? He, you know, he gives his own quick understanding of it, but the pictures remain, and he's part of it is he's engaging your right brain because he knows that it's an, an activated right brain that allows you to interact with the spirit realm where you are from. You know, our citizenship, according to the Philippians, is in heaven now
1: and it's not that he made an inferior part of the brain and a superior part of the brain he made both parts of the brain and they're very good it's that this is the direction he intended us to go learn things from the left brain learn from the right brain but experience me he meant your right brain to be the experience right i mean it's not like we we've we're manipulating something that god didn't that God wasn't in. He was in us experiencing him through the right brain. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, to say maybe, I think this is what you're saying as well, is um, you know, I'll add this part for me, is God has, you know, he has systems and he has the way he lays out, just like the five form, he doesn't just say come to church and it's a free for all. Like he he establishes some order and Mm -hmm. he's like, Built first, apostles, prophets, and then he gives a, you know a layout of how this meeting is is supposed to function in, in some kind of way. But there is when you go against what he call, what he lays out as priority. Just like yeah. if he says apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church, and you make pastors and evangelists the foundations of the church, you just got something going askew. So it's the same yeah. with your own processing. It's, we want to value the part that is, I, I laid out some of the aspects of the value. You know, they'll tell you when you're running out of time, like we will use the right part of our brain shortly. We'll say, okay, our time is getting close to being done. But we're also, because we're prophetic and, and, and um, right-brained in that, if we sense, if you sense something's really good in our conversation, you're going to, hey, let's just keep going because you know the value of Submitting and, and that the, from the right side, from the presence from yeah. the anointing is going to come stuff that gives us gives us life. so that's that's the part we want to uh, have as our, our takeaways from all this. Good time.
1: really, really good. All right well I have let's see uh, I've got two more I don't know if we have time let's see. Uh, Rachel's asking when did you first start noticing God's hidden messages in sporting events and world events?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um I, mean, I basically started noticing that he was speaking in almost everything. And <clears throat> by that, I mean, I've told about him before, you know, um, uh, license tags and getting scriptures and getting numbers and waking up uh, at the same time. You wake up at the same time at 522, three mornings in a row. And you're like, wait a minute, something's here. And so there's something right brained and prophetic About recognizing patterns and numbers that he like he's got a light flashing. Moses was there, you know, Exodus chapter three. Is it isn't it wasn't that um Lord and knocked on Moses' head and said, Hey, I got a message to you. He saw a burning bush, and that honestly might not have been that rare because it's very hot desert, and sometimes they were fires, but it would not be consumed. And so it says, When Moses turned aside to see why the bush was not consumed, even though it stayed on fire, he says, then the Lord spoke to him. That, right, if you can remember that picture, is so key towards even what we're talking about. Once he knows you're paying attention, he will like, I'm speaking over here. I have a message here. And it's really part of my own personal joy with the Lord, uh, because it was me overcoming years of elders in a, in a cult-like move saying God hates sports and hates competition and hates all that and then me having really a uh, little bit of a third heaven encounter where we were kicking soccer ball together and it was just blowing, uh, blowing, nice. blowing me away and, and um, I was like Do you like soccer? Yes! And, and I'm, I'm like I, I can't even uh, fathom that so it's my own personal joy with him to go down these things and look at um, especially important games, <clears throat> and if he knows, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is a big game, God. What are you like Super Bowl? What are you gonna say? And and maybe if I pick any game, I pick to okay, I'm looking for something. He'll he'll speak there as as well. But it's you know I've, <clears throat> I've told this and I'll uh, I'll tell it because it's we can do it real quick. Just like Elizabeth and I are driving in a car, and I'm driving in Atlanta. Uh, some years ago, and she answers the phone, but she doesn't say, "Oh, hi," and tell her. And she just like, "Oh, hi," and she listens a long time, and and I can't, I can't hear the phone, and I can't hear who's talking. I look over her, like you know, inquisitive, who who is that? And she's like, not going to tell me, you know. Yeah. And so I ask the Lord, and I say, Lord, who is that talking, um, talking to her? And you may say, Well, why are you asking that? That's not an important question. That's part of my wiring with him I want to interact on those type of things and so right then a car pulls in front and the license tag had on it Robin and it was a Florida tag and we were in Georgia and I went because we had just a week before been talking with this person named Robin who lives in Florida and so I get a smile and then she hangs and she's not going to let me know the name so uh, she hangs up never mentioning a name and I look and I say oh so that was robin from florida she goes how did you know i was like i'm prophetic and and so i'm prophetic but it's about paying attention to things like that and then at some point again i realized that big games he in big horse races well, it's, he, it's such a
1: mind blower because not only did you recognize it because you were ready to recognize it, and ask him god knowing you would ask that question prepared that car Maybe an hour or two before to be at this spot at this time to pull ahead of you, right? It was. There's so many things involved that how does God do that, right?
2: And how God does that? What you're just bringing up, Steve. You know, I've had at least 50 of those, and and I mean like profound ones, like Elizabeth Nyer driving in uh, in North Carolina, going to a conference, and we're telling the things God has just given us prophetic words, what He wants to do with our lives, things He's doing now, and you're like. You really think that can happen? And and we're having and I literally say, do you really think that can happen? And a car pulls in front and the tag and it had I T C N H P P N. It can happen. I don't oh. even, who would ever think of putting <laughs> that on the, on their on their tag. But the tag had it can ha-, and we look at each other. We go, wow! How does he do that? And and over and over and it's a joy to discover that. And so. The sports is just an extension and expansion of the same thing. He's, he's everywhere. And he, but that you're supposed to be in awe of him. I think yeah, that's what it's, it just said, it's supposed to be the bigger takeaway. Yeah, is, it is a like, bigger, how did he do that?
1: Yeah. My, my wake up call in that was seven, eight years ago. I'm at church. I told us before, I'll tell a super short version of it. A guy gives me a word and he's praying over me in the congregation during Service, and he's saying, You're all together lovely. He's prophesying out of the song, Song of Solomon. I'm going, I'm a guy. He's a guy. God's a guy. What do you mean you're all together lovely? I've never quite related. It's like I'm supposed to. And, and I'm saying, God, is that really a word for me? I get in the car. We're driving on the freeway right from there. A big old white Cadillac pulls around, pulls in front, and the license plate says, Lovely. I mean, you can't, there is no way that that was some bizarre coincidence. That was an orchestrated event from God. Either he, a couple hours ago, ordained this guy's time to be right there at the right time when I would ask that question. Or he created the car and it wasn't real. But I mean, it was real. It's a car that pulled in front of us, but you know.
2: Well, and uniquely, this is good for people to understand as well, is that there are times where he changes up the way he speaks to you. And so like your normal way of, okay, you have your prayer time, you get in, whatever you have is your routine, whether it's a walk or you get on your knees in the morning and, and he's just giving you a truth of the day. And it's like, wow, wow. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's not there. You're doing the same thing. You used to get something all the time and it's not there. And you're like, whoa. And so it would often, even for this last three years, a lot of the most powerful communication from him to me has been through the horse races and through the sports events and the scriptures that are highlighted and the names that are highlighted and the players. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the messaging is so clear here, but it's like, he wasn't telling me that in my normal way, but he was, that's part of my normal way now. And so it's, it's like, he's, he's, he just like, are you paying attention? And I'll speak, I, I, and wherever you are like Moses, you're in the desert and there's bushes. I, I can I can get your attention. We can talk. And wherever you are, whatever, whatever you're doing, if he knows you're paying attention, you hunger for his voice, hunger for communication. He will he will find a way to communicate. It becomes your proof of royalty to discern how he's speaking. You know, so, that proverb. Yeah. scripture. King likes to hide things but you prove your royalty as well when you go ahead and do the search and and not just say well it's in the bible i need the plain scripture that says it you're never going to find a plain scripture that tells you if you should quit your job who you should marry if this is the right church should you take this trip all these things come out of conversations on the side so the idea that the scripture is the only way you're going to hear from god you're going to miss out on 90% of the things you need. And to one hear. of the th-
1: takeaways with me is is that not only are we meant to have fun ferreting out these codes, he's having a blast creating them. You know, it's his joy to conceal a matter and give you codes. And, and you know, it's like, hey, Gabe, watch this. I'm going to make this car pull in front of Steve and say, lovely, right when he's asking the question, uh, you know. <laughs> thank you. How he did! It. I mean, yeah. I'm still laughing about it years later. How did he do
2: that? It is, and that's what he wants—is like, yeah, in all of his capabilities. Is it how, is. That's why when I know that God, I'm like, and we're going to have some mediocre end where He's going to come and like, okay, I see y'all getting beat up, and I'm sorry, I didn't know it was going to be so hard. I, you know, I, I wanted you to be overcoming. Church, the gates of hell can't. I guess the gates of hell did beat you up, so I'm going to have to rescue you. And you're like, I don't think so
1: amazing all right we got one more question uh richard's asking do you have any idea how things will look different on the mountain of education when it's done god's way the mountain of education what will that look like
2: well you know i think we covered a little bit of that just by going right left brain realities because and and for time's sake i'll I'll refer people to um the book seven mountain prophecy i have a chapter on the mountain of of education in our book, um, Rainbow God Seven Colors of Love, as well as there's a, really a chapter on education and and many aspects. But to to do the real short version, one of it is there has to be an education system built around right brainism as opposed to left brainism, and 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 it has been intentional being, us being pushed into left brain. Once you know that then you understand um, why I'm saying what I'm saying in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasures forevermore. And so there is um, the reality that that, that becomes a big, a big piece of the puzzle. Furthermore, once you understand that in God's education system, personalized instruction is of supreme value. Hmm. And, um, and when you when you build a system that understands how to incorporate personalized instruction by that, you know, we, we have the seven mountain understanding. You can be wired more for creativity. You can be more, wired more for business. You can be wired uh, for, in all kinds of ways. And, it, you know, Scripture Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go in his natural bent. So when you cookie cutter everyone and make everyone like you're going to do art, whether you have any capacity to do so or not. And we don't care if your brain is hurting from advanced trigonometry, other math. You're going to do copious amounts of this. So when there's force fed, and like you're going to do that instead of even uh, um, uh, being able to prioritize other ways of learning. And it's hard for me to say it all in short order. Seven Mountain Renaissance, which is my book from 2015, I have the thickest chapter on education and how education system is going to be. Over overhauled, but those um, those become uh, uh, two big parts. The personalized approach, understanding that there is just because someone you don't just decide someone's dumb, uh, someone's an idiot, and someone needs to be flunked because they're not doing the work. Their brain and there's it operates in a different way, and sometimes their brain is operating in a way not just because they're wired differently, but because of trauma. Mm. And so, there is you, you, the personalized approach understands this person can't even learn anything right now if we don't take care of the trauma. So there has to be a pastoral component. And then what are they wired for? So that has to be incorporated into education system. And we'll say the third big leg is God at the center. Cause that's what all the isms, atheism, humanism, agnosticism, every ism, rationalism removes God from the center. And he is periphery. He is, If he exists at all, he's orbiting you and you are the center of it all. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So any type of education or instruction that does not start with, we have a creator, we have a source, we have a maker. And that our entire uh, assignment is to develop wisdom on how to please him, how to interact with him, how he wired us to experience the most joy which is by being in alignment with them. And so those three things become the big deal.
1: So good. So good. Johnny, really good, rich stuff today. I um, appreciate it. Now we don't know from week to week, whether we're going to do Q and a, but get your questions sent in. Yeah. Uh, it was there any uh, website or email that we needed yeah. to show you guys might not be ready for that. So if you don't have it, that's okay. But uh, sometimes if you, uh, hit reply on an email and say, here's a question for Johnny Enlow." They'll try and get that to us. Um, so on the emails, you should be a subscriber at ElijahList.com. You get your emails. You can always hit reply on that and say a question for Johnny Enlow." Uh, there, there's a, a website, Johnny unfiltered.com That's a website we set up, I believe. And, and then you can type it in there like in, you type it in the box. I think that. All right. Hey, John, you feel like praying for the people as we close?
2: Yeah, let me tell i want to applaud the questions that did come in because um that does encourage me to uh, keep looking at 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 the questions and um and so there was high level of of questions and i appreciate that from you i'm just gonna um mention before we pray i know i could tell them afterwards but you mentioned as well the hastings program so last um, wednesday we had um uh, with henry and amanda hastings and they, they have had scores and scores of testimonies of healings, tumors shrinking, um, and people filled with the Holy Spirit and rooms being filled with joy and presence. I think the presence component of it was so, so great. So if you all, you know, that's part of, there's a program, especially you get to the ministry. Well, the the whole thing, his testimony, Henry's testimony is about going from left to right. Yeah, it skin.
1: is, big time.
2: <laughs> and then it's all about Uh, experiencing his presence and his healing and all that. So uh, part of, you know, if you need a corrective measure of how to go from uh, left to right, uh, go ahead and uh, look at that program. That will be good. I wanted to tell you before we close, Elizabeth really wanted me to, and I want to as well. Um, In our programs, we're doing someone you should, someone you should know series. And I did an interview and I did an interview this time. Often it's Elizabeth, but I did it with Taylor and Britt Winston. And, um, they it, it was i i really really enjoyed doing the interview i don't want to i can't tell you too much about them it's it's very uh different um but it's it, 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 different in a good way and um but one of these things i was showing you this picture i'm not going to tell you how to get it but this by by watching that that you'll find out how to get one of these this is laser printed into i should get all the, uh, all nice. the laser printed into wood, and uh, it is cool. very, very handsome, and they have the Bill of Rights, and you will find out um, by watching the program how to get one of those for yourself, but that's not... The-
1: now, where do they go to get it, Facebook, or where do they go? To, to it's get- going
2: to be Rumble and YouTube, uh, Johnny and Elizabeth Enlo the, the Rumble channel and the YouTube, and I think you probably can get... Yeah, um, but it is available... Uh, YouTube as well, but, um, the person, um, Taylor Winston is an American hero. Um, and he had a, a uniquely heroic, um, uh, experience. He was, uh, I'll spit it out. He was one of the, um, he was at the Las Vegas shootings. Steve, he was, oh. one of the, he was one of the concert growers that was being shot at, you know, over 50 killed and 800 something shot at. And, and so He began in the midst of the shooting, um, he commandeered a truck, and for he rescued bodies. Um, He he made a little name for himself from it as well. So he's a hero. So he's the one that makes these, but there's more to him than that. There's surprises. I want to leave some surprises for you uh, when you watch it, but you would have a way to um, get one of these and bless an American patriot and hero as well as um bless a um a funding for um advancing freedom governmental freedom through central and south america so and,
1: okay. Now, just, johnny we, is is it did it just come on today was it last week when did this come yeah, on
2: starting friday yeah starting um,
1: friday it'll be on friday's show it's been it's,
2: taped. It's from friday from last friday oh, last
1: friday okay
2: friday. yeah and so just wanted to um uh, let you all know about that. Don't, don't miss that. But yeah, Yeah. let me, I know you'd mentioned prayer. So
1: yeah, please do. Thank you. I'll
2: get to that. Lord, we just thank you for Mm. what you're doing across the earth. We thank you in the midst of, Oh, what seems like very perilous times and in a way they are, we don't know uh, all kinds of situations. We don't know the future, the timing of your justice intervention at the macro big level, as you've promised. And, uh, but we invited to come on in. We say, we trust you. Um, we look to you and even in the matters, uh, that the enemy is attempting to do in government, even today, Lord, let it, let it just backfire to an amazing, uh, an amazing degree. And Lord, let all of Haman's nooses fully, uh, come back on Haman in all the ways the enemy is attempting to control us, steal from us, devastate your people at a national level, at a global level. Thank you. Uh, we can trust you that this is part of a process that you have initiated to Mm. knock out, as you showed me, your hand coming in and removing the world mafia. And it's to give us the sons of the Most High, your saints, as Daniel calls calls us, an opportunity to shine like the firmament, shine like the sun, and to see your kingdom fill the whole earth like a mountain fills the earth. We thank you for this. Let your children right now, your sons and daughters, receive encouragement. Let your presence be upon them even now. Let them be healed, delivered, set free, set on fire. Let their dream world be invaded by your dreams for the good things that you're doing in our day. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Johnny. Uh, A reminder that Nathan French will be with us in the morning, 11 o'clock Pacific. So be there. Don't Don't miss
2: it.
1: It's going to be great. So God bless you all. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye bye.
0: This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at elijahstreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time at elijahstreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to elijahstreams.com/slash/give to become a partner today.